I thought I'm about to pull the cord. This podcast is brought to you by Onnit.com. Go to Onnit for all your supplement needs. Whether it's Shroom Tech, Shroom Tech Sports, Shroom Tech Immune, Hemp Force Protein, Alpha Brain. Listen, when it comes to supplements, Onnit is number one. Go to Onnit.com right now and press in. Church. Bam. And get 10% off delivered right to your fucking front door, right? No questions asked. Kick that fucking mule, Lee. Oh shit, this is what North Korea is listening to right now Oh shit It's the church of what's happening now, motherfuckers Uncle Joey, the Christ killer My main motherfucker Felipe Sparza What's up, fool? Good to be back The American dream High those spoons Here we go Oh shit Good off for the pussy. Good off for the pussy. I must have superpowers. Hours. Get a calculator, do the math. I made a thousand songs that made you move it. What? And for the last 300 months, I made 16 albums with me on the front. And they bump. Where you get your beats? I heard 93 rappers say, like me. Two singers and 10 comedians. And I'm still gonna yell at every time you see me in. Biatch. What's my favorite song? Why they gotta say it like short? You know they can't play on my court. Can't hang with the big dog. Stay on the porch. Blow the whistle. Are you kidding me or what? The whistle. A little too short for you, motherfucker. On a Wednesday, open, baby. Where you get that from? Grab a bit one. Let me that MC eight ball and MJG keep spitting that P to the IMP. Bun B, that's Texas, baby. Ballin' G, that's Memphis, baby. Short dog, that's Oakland, baby. Ain't nothing but pimpin' these days, G. Are you fucking too much? Too fucking much. Thank God Martin Luther King marched. You know what I'm saying? Thank God he marched. Fucking if he didn't march too short, nobody would have known who this motherfucker. Give us some Dracula, bro. What's up there, Felipe Sparza? Give us some Dracula, bro. You know you can do it. On the fucking stage. That counts. Lee Sayat, what's cracking? I'm just I'm I'm disappointed for Oakland. They finally got an amazing team and they got like a a two less than a two year like clock on it you know they're going to vegas like the raiders are kicking ass right now i know Did they man. win yesterday no, no they, they lost but um yeah they're, they're gonna be there for two years while they build a stadium in las vegas that's like um breaking up with your wife or your girlfriend but she gets to live in your house still yeah but and but and, but, and the weird thing is that like i would expect that no one would go they'd be like fuck the raiders they're leaving we're loyal bro it was packed like it was two weeks ago now when marshawn lynch was dancing. like they have a dj in oakland stadium in the stadium that's gabriel's cousin chino no it's not i swear to god (laughs) yeah man they they, gabriel Iglesias' cousin is chino the dj from the raiders and he's also dj in the morning (laughs) he's a a big fan of um of everybody but they they made each other at tucson arizona he goes hey man we look your, is your father such and such? Yeah, my father such and such. And then they met, they clashed, they met each other as cousins. Small world, man. They're both both of their fathers are players. But yeah, I was thinking, I was just impressed with with like the Oakland fans because like all all that we hear right now in LA is that the Chargers are empty, the Rams are half empty. Really, the stadiums are empty. Apparently, apparently the Chargers are pretty are like almost. It's like a home team. That's what I heard for like the away the the away team. It's almost like a home game. Yeah, man. I don't think the Chargers are going to sell out a game to New Year's Eve when they play the Raiders there. And that's going to be a Raider Nation game. I already bought my tickets. New Year's Eve? 
New Year's Eve, man. Oh, Raiders, Oakland Raiders visit Los Angeles for the first time since they left in 1990-something. So wait a second. So the game is on a Sunday? On a Sunday, on New Year's Eve. Jesus Christ. 11 in the morning? 11 in the morning. 1 in the morning. 1 in the morning. 1 1 o'clock game. Yeah. Yeah, 10. No, 10. 10 o'clock game. They got to get that shit over with early. (laughs) It's going to be an amazing game, man. Yeah, that's a good game. Just going on New Year's Eve. You know how crazy it gets, Joey. Remember that show we did up north, and there was the that was the day, the day that um that um Tom Brady did the snuff the, the the snuff rule, I guess. Oh no, the tuck rule. The tuck rule, yeah. That's like my and, that's like a New Englander's greatest. Yeah, day. and Joe Diaz and I were with Rodrigo doing a fucking crazy show in Modesto, and everybody was pissed off, man. Every <laughs> black guy was pissed off, and we were being driven a bus by black guys. And that's the day you took that. That powder, but it was actually meth. Yeah, yeah, it was meth. <laughs> I was like in middle school watching a Patriots playoff game in the snow, and you were doing meth. Oh, my God. Do you understand? That show was crazy, bro. Everybody wanted to go backstage and party. That whole area. They're, once you go to Modesto, they're like those little towns there. They're like, love, they're like family, man. There's nothing to do but do comedy <laughs> and then get fucked up. Get fucked up, man. Fucked up. Like, they have no shame. And, you know, they'll tell you right there, man, don't go out looking for it. We got it right we here, whatever right you here, need. Whatever you need. Everything. You want hookers? We got it. You want a dog? My, my, my brother owns a pet store. And you go for a drive, and there's nothing really in those towns. Nothing. Nothing. by Celia, nothing. one fucking club, and you do not want to go in there because you'll get stabbed to death. So you go to a hotel. They give you whatever fucking drugs you want. And it's just that simple. I mean, it's a... It's a fucking shame, like El Paso. You know how many grams of coke I stored in El Paso? <laughs> like, I can't fucking believe I'm alive from all that. Because I used to walk to that bar. There was a bar you went to on Wednesdays. So I Yes, it was that, the little Irish bar. Something. There was a little bar where the whole wait staff went. But yes. The whole place was, if there was 250 people in there, the whole place was high on cocaine. The whole place. The whole fucking place, Lee. You've never seen anything like that till you walk into the fucking room of death. Were there bars just built for people to do cocaine in? Bro, like, where, wherever there's a bar with darts, there's cocaine. I don't know. Cocaine and darts go together. I it didn't drives know that. me crazy when I'm snorting coke <laughs> and somebody's throwing darts. I know, man. I always think one of those darts is going to backfire. <laughs> I get pissed. I had a, my brother, the guy I'm going to see, his daughter that has the cancer on Wednesday. He's a dart guy. So I get a gram of coke with him, and next thing you know, I'm fucking shooting darts. I don't want to play fucking darts. What am I fucking doing? Man, I don't know. That should be a shirt, man. But, man, we go together like darts and coke. And the bathroom is always, you got to walk past the darts. Yes. So you, every time you pee, you got anxiety because you got to stop the game and walk past the darts. God forbid you don't have your hunting camouflage <laughs> fucking suit on, and one of those cokeheads throws a fucking dart at you. You know, it was a fucking nightmare. It was a fucking nightmare. Darts. And so is darts or that stupid rifle game, duck hunts, whatever yeah. it is. Then they have the the best is the dart league. Oh my like god! Like you get together on Tuesday and throw darts. Basically, it's an excuse to get fucking the lit, lit on a Tuesday. That's all dart league is. By the time you get there, you can see the target. By the time you leave, there ain't no fucking target. Okay, it's a it's yeah, it's man. Humorous. I'm not putting darts down or anything like no, that. No, man, darts is cool, man. I'm darts just is saying, cool, but darts and drugs. That's a great point you made, Philippe, because I grew up in two bars and then that they snorted coke and right away they would break the fucking darts out. <laughs> and my anxiety level would go up to a fucking yeah, it thousand. Seems, it seems dangerous. It's it good. is fucking dangerous. Man, when, if you're coked out, man, and doing darts is perfect, man, because your nose already pointing down, so your eye. 
cannonballs are looking straight ahead. You're ready, man. You could do a bump and do a dart. It is fucking crazily fucking darts. I think I picked them up by three times. Let's do it in Pittsburgh, man. Some guys, some guys you got to talk to to get coke. You got to talk to them by shooting darts. <laughs> Unless you're so in Pittsburgh, you... bro. It's fucking candlestick bowling and coke. Oh, I miss candlestick bowling. Bowling and, bowling and fucking getting fucked up is another thing, too, man. I remember I used to go to Houston. I used to go to a place on uh, Saturday nights at midnight. That you went and bowled, and we get coked up, and eat pop mushrooms and shit, mm, man. And they played heavy metal music, and I miss all that shit. That me I do too, miss. man. I do not. Miss. It's gonna. I'm coming up on ten years next month, Felipe. You you past ten years. Yeah, I, st- I stopped doing um, cocaine in 2009. Yeah, because I, I went on a really? five day binge. Really? So you yes. went even two years after me? Yeah, two years after me. After you, I was still going a little crazy in 2008, 2009, man. Wow. When did you meet Lisa? I met Lisa in 2006, but when I met her, I was already off. You know, there was that one time I picked you up all crazy, you know, and I gave you like $200 to hang out with me for an hour. <laughs> and you told me, I even hear my here's 50, take him out of here. <laughs> I'll never forget the one night you came to my house, <laughs> and it was the weirdest thing, Lee. We didn't even know what we were doing, huh? No, Felipe calls me. I go, yeah, what's up, dog? I'm outside. Okay. We get in the fucking car. This is, I'm, I'm heavy-duty junkie, guys, and here's your witness, okay? He goes, where do you want to go? I go, let's take a ride. I think we smoked a joint. We went behind El Compadre. I walked in. I took a gram off the guy. I got in the car. Now, you had money you wanted to give me to buy Coke, but you knew I wouldn't get you Coke. Yeah, I had 60 bucks ready. Big right. And I got in the car in front of Felipe. And you put a whole straw in there and you did it all. And I did the whole gram. <laughs> Fucking. I looked at him like a guy. He that was- <laughs> could not believe it, guys. Oh, my God. My mouth got to- dry. On the, to- on the drive from El Compadre to Highland and uh, Fountain, I would always, it was instinct. That was where I would do, at that light, I would snort whatever was in the oh, bag, half of it. And then when I pull up to my house, whether the front or the back, I would snort the other half of what was in that bag. So when I got on the elevator, I went right upstairs and took a shit. There was no questions asked. When I walked in the house, it was to go right to the bathroom and unload the first cocaine shit of the night. And no cop ever saw you do a, a half. I'm a professional, Lee. No cop is going to fucking see that. See, I could never do that. I could never like be like you, you know, because you've been doing it for a long well, at time. At that time, at that yeah. time, I was ready to quit. Oh yeah, it was just a mat. I was just either waiting for the start, time or to fucking. I didn't know what to do, and that's what I was doing. I was buying. That. And guys, at the end, I was buying a gram of coke that would kill a mule from El Compadre. Yes, and I would do two fucking lines, and the whole gram was gone. And I would stay high for an hour and fifteen minutes, and then I would sit in my living room for an hour thinking of my next move, and then I would figure out the move and go out and get another gram at one a.m. You were like, Who does the, that? Who you does you, that? You do. You were like the first person I ever see do a whole bag, like the 20 bag, yeah. and then go eat a burrito. <laughs> like, I was, I, me, I was like, I couldn't eat after I do coke because I want to stay high. You know, I want, I want it to I last. Do, at that point, Felipe, my, and this is a scary thing to tell you guys because you're not going to believe it, my tolerance. For marijuana was the same kind of tolerance I had for cocaine at the end. So you needed more? I could do, I could open up a party with a gram. That's how I opened up the night. 
with my own gram. How much would Felipe open up with? A half a gram. Not even. Felipe was a gentleman. Felipe would do two or three lines or two or three bumps, and he was fine. I was a gorilla late. Yeah, Nothing has changed from the THC. I just transferred addictions, but at least I know this going in. I've always had a high tolerance. If at 16, 17, I was already doing a half gram a night. When I was 16, 17, I would buy a half gram, go to my friend's house. They were 16 or 17. We'd do two bumps. And who do you you think finished the rest of that coke at night? Me. I'd go home, put in fucking Black Sabbath on an A-track with the speakers on. Uh And I'd just sit there all night, listen to fucking music like an asshole and cry. Think about my mother and cry and shit like that. So I started at 17 with a half a gram already. By the time I went to prison in 86... Before a year before I got locked up, before I kidnapped that poor kid, you should have seen what I was doing. You should have seen what I was doing. I was probably doing seven G's a day. Damn. One in the, one in the morning to wait. This is when I was doing it. I couldn't function on it, but I could still do it in the morning, eat breakfast, <laughs> and live my life. That phase was like for six months where I would get up and do a half gram of Coke eat breakfast, give my ex-wife a stabbing, eat a pussy, the whole fucking thing at 8 in the morning, and then by the time I got in the car, I was fine. Me, I'm more like, I'm more like a degenerate, man. I'm a binger. I would, like, party, like, start smoking crack, you know, when I started smoking crack, you know, like in 2004, 2005, and I would smoke crack. Like, I'll start on Wednesday after the Wild Coyotes because I had cash, and I would continue to do it till I got tired, like, to Sunday. I would stay up for five days. Like, I didn't want to stop, bro. I didn't know what I was doing with my body. Like, I was like, man, I used to laugh at, at, um, at um, um, what's the name, Bonaducci, when he had that Bonaducci that's show. Right, that's right. Yeah, and he fucking bad. bought that bottle of cranberry juice and that bottle of vodka and started drinking it right there in the middle of the street. I was like, fuck it, what a loser. But then, like, a week later, I was doing the same thing. Like, I was, I was like, not, I just like to just continue. I don't know. I don't know how to stop. I just continued to go five days, no sleep to Brooklyn, man. Well, I was a binger for years. I was a binger, yeah. But once I got in, I binged in the beginning. There was a couple places you could. Listen, to binge coke, you got to be able to go someplace. Yeah. You got to be able to go someplace. You can't do it at home. What are you going to do? I'm going to go home with you and talk about what, comedy till eight in the morning? <laughs> oh, well, this guy's joke. Well, let's put on an let's out. Let's write a script. No, and then we talk about how we got into comedy and how our father beat us. I don't want to hear that shit. So... You have to go somewhere where there's 20 people in the room. But then it gets creepy. That's a different type of creep. I couldn't handle that no more. I could handle it 20 years ago. But in 2000, that was it. By the time 2000 came, it was me, either a chick or me by myself. And that chick knew she was coming to the room to do one thing. Like, there was no misunderstandings. You're not coming back to the room to watch TV or listen to music. You got to break up the monotony. We got to do something. <laughs> it was terrible. It was a terrible existence, you know? But just to think that in 2009, you quit Coke. And in 2017, you're the American dream, dog. Yeah, man. You got a special on HBO. You know, you ask 2,000 comics, what's when they got into comedy, what did they write on the top of that page? And it was an HBO special. HBO special. Even Mitch Hedberg, he wanted an HBO yeah. special. When you saw Richard Pryor in those days, well, not really Richard Pryor, but when you saw the Rodney Dangerfield specials and the Young Comedians. The Young Comedian, man. They were I, all HBO. So that sunk something 
in your to mind. every kid, you know, which makes 2009 that much more special for you. Like that's people have no idea how much changes when and you you're talking to two fucking guys that were junkies. I mean, listen to us. What we're talking about? Envelopes and fucking a gram right in front of each other. Hermaphrodites. Hermaphrodites. One of the funniest things ever was that night in Modesto. Yeah. Because while they came in, guys, if I'm telling you this in any other way, I was so ashamed of myself. But there was nothing I could do. It was done. I was older than these comics. You know, we all went out together, but... And you ran into a crazy friend from Houston that liked to party. I was like... Uh, you were trying to avoid. I was trying to... In those days... And they were asking, hey, Joey, you got some? It was fucking crazy. The devil, they were work. And I go to Modesto, and everybody up there is fucking high on something. Oh, yeah, At man. the time, that night, everybody was high on something <clears throat> at that show. And there's 15 people running around backstage, drinking. They had Grabbing little, cups. They had us in a little room with booze and a, and a oh, garbage can. a green can room for all his friends. With and all his friends and shit. And we got paid cash. We knew where to leave right away. And then uh, one of the kids came up to me. And I'm bugging him. Come on, get me a package. Get me a package. Get me a package. I get off stage. The show ends. I didn't get a package. But his friend had something he could sell me. And I go, what is it? He goes, it's, it's, it's speed. You know, like, all right, how much you want? $30. Give me the fucking thing. At least I got something. That was the way I was thinking in those days, Lee. I wasn't going to go back to the hotel room with nothing. Because I knew eventually I was going to get up and start walking the fucking streets. Oh, take man. a cab to a bad neighborhood and make a bad mistake. Oh, man. I was and at that man. level then. That I already had. Once you told me you could get it and it opened up that thing in my mind, it wasn't going to close till I snorted something. If you told me in the beginning of the night I can't get it, then I went home thinking I couldn't get it. But once you told me it's going to be here at 8.30, and when I get off stage, it ain't there, I'm fucked because I already opened up that valve of thought. Is any part of you worried in, in like, a new city with a new dealer? Like, if you if you know the guy and you trust him, that's one thing, but my brain would be no, like, oh, this no, no, is going to no. kill me. This Listen, is man, people, because of television and media and different things, you identify this dealer. With this fucking dark character, with a hat, with a feather, walks in the shadows with a leather jacket, and he shows up with a gun. No, these people are people who work at the theater. Oh yeah, man, they work at the theater. I, right? I, but everybody's got a cousin. Oh, they know somebody. Like in oh, ho- in Hollywood, there used to be a guy that that another comedian hooked me up with, and this guy used to show up with a tackle box, a tackle box full of drugs. Like he had Viagra, he had Xanax. Yeah, coke. Yeah, well, weed. Yeah, well, yeah, and I, I, like part of it, I guess, what would be the person, but I meant more along like the lines. Like the trust of, line. Like, what do you think they have in there or nothing? Like, like if the thing is like if the thing is tainted or laced with something or it's, no, man. When you're really, like, you're dealing with this honor amongst thieves type attitude. But when you're gonna, do, but like Joe Diaz said, man, sometimes man, you gotta just forget about all that. You gotta go for a long walk and find it. That's when you get in trouble. But also, sometimes you meet a good dealer. Right, but so man, you have to trust the people you're getting it from. I did that in, in uh, Montreal, man, at the Montreal Comedy Festival. I was like, I wanted to smoke crack. I got fucked up. It was a young comedian show, man, and I, and you know, some you just when you're a drug addict, man, you can find cocaine in the moon somewhere, man. Not the best. I could go to any city, Lee, and by the second Probably night, country. have a package. 
<laughs> because I could go on stage and talk about it. Mm. And I listened to the laughter. Mm. And I listened to the percentage of the room that's laughing. And I could figure it out <laughs> that one of these motherfuckers that's laughing. Because only a certain person would get the joke that I'm looking out a window. I can make a cocaine joke about Colombians and narcos and a guy like you will laugh. But when I talk about I worked the peephole last night because I did a couple lines of coke, the people who laugh know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. When I said I watched, I looked out a window the whole fucking night, people who do coke understand because you don't know what life is till you get up every seven seconds, Lee, to look out your peephole in front of your girlfriend. Your girlfriend will finally go, Lee, why are you looking at the people? Nothing. I just hear something out there. You don't know what paranoia is. That's paranoia. Hell yeah. You're, You're sitting there watching the fucking New England Patriot game at 10 in the morning. You put 10 or 15 bumps in you, or you bump up from the night before, and next thing you know, you start looking at shadows under the fucking door. You see them. The speed makes your mind see somebody's feet come up to the door there and listen, and they walk away. So in your mind, somebody's coming up to the door, they put their ear on the door, and then they run away. They run around the block, they get refueled, <laughs> and they do it all over again. And you're gonna catch him one of these times. Paranoia and man. Felipe's been there five days straight, man, doing crack. On the sixth day, you're already seeing things, bro. You're having long conversations. Time, you don't even know what time it is. Time goes by fast. There's a movie, The Temptations. Um, they always put it on VH1. David Ruffin and that scene with oh David Ruffin when he goes up to the, he's doing coke or crack in a, in a, in a den. And he goes up to the deal and he goes, man, come on, give me another fucking fix. And the guy goes, you already out of fixes. <laughs> he goes, how about two tickets for the Temptations? He goes, these Temptations? He goes, these are two tickets for the Temptations. The guy grabs him, looks at him, and he goes, these are tickets for yesterday. Then he gives him his fucking car. That's, damn, I missed another show. Can you imagine that, Lee? Fuck, man. Can you imagine getting together with a girl on a Sunday night? And you don't make it to podcast on Monday. Like, you just don't make it. You just don't get home till Tuesday morning. Is my phone ringing? Nothing. Your phone is dead. You're at the Holiday Inn down the corner. You got there Sunday night with some broad. You called uh, your girl and told her you were Joey at the podcast studio that you might be there all night. She calls you at 6 before she goes to work. You pick up the phone and go out to the balcony and tell her you fell asleep on the couch. And you got really high and you don't feel good and you're going to go back to bed. You'll be home in a little while. She goes to work. You give that chick another stabbing. You look around the room and there's still a little Coke rock left. And there's still six beers left. Shit. Mm -mm. You're going to start doing that Coke again. That chick's naked on the table. You're going to wake her up, eat her pussy, and start all over again. Next thing you know, it's 11 o'clock and they're calling you. Are you going to stay in your room again, Mr. Lee, for another day? And you're oh, like, my God. Well, ain't nobody going nowhere. You have no idea, Lee. You have no idea. You don't care about your job, your employers, your families, what commitments you had. It really doesn't matter when you're on a fucking tear. I know, man. You should have checked out a long time ago. You have a plane to take off. You're there next to day. You don't give a you're fuck. You're pounding more bills to yourself. It is something that... Well, not anymore. I'm not going to lie to you. Not anymore. It doesn't bother me like it did four or five years ago. It was still bothering me because I'd still get vivid memories of that weekend in Beaumont when I went to the fucking neo-Nazis and bought Coke. 
you know what that's like? <coughs> I think Slade's brother took me to fucking oh, yeah. the other side of Beaumont, and they had SWAT stickers on the wall and shit. And I go, so are you fucking kidding me? But let me tell you something. Felipe, you know me. It was one of the top 10 cocaines I ever bought on the road in 30 years. That's how good that Nazi coke was. It was yellow as fuck. That Nazi coke at 4 in the morning, that shit took me to a different fucking level. It was yellow and it was real. It was flaky. It wasn't cut. 200 bucks. They gave me an 8 ball at 4.30 in the fucking morning. Who buys an 8 ball at 4.30 in the morning? That's like a death sentence, Lee. An 8 ball at 4.30 in the morning. But you guys have like... I know you probably didn't go back to the Nazis. Maybe you did. I don't know. I don't know. I only went one time. But did you have like... If you were going to go to... I, I know you're going to say Houston, but maybe, maybe in like Idaho, did you have like, this dealer's got this and I can't wait to go there? Oh, yeah. You knew you were Cuban? Huh? Did the guy care you were Cuban? He didn't care. Uh, he cared that I was in a movie at the time. All right. And that's all that mattered. <laughs> and they, all that they, I was in a movie. I was in their living room. You're famous, I Cuban. I was buying an eight ball, and I was fucked up, and so were they. And they just <laughs> overlooked it. You know what I'm saying? They just overlooked it. I went to um, an after-hour party with one of the waiters from the laptop, that black kid, light-skinned kid, a tall, skinny one, on the laptop. He's always there. And... um. It was like, man, it was like one of those after-hour black clubs, you know? It, it, it cost like two, ten, five bucks to get in, and um, the bartender was selling beer, and she was selling drugs, you know? And Beer was, and drugs? Beer and drugs. And I went there with two comedians named Keith Manning and Theo Taylor, two black guys. But they had a pool table, but not only that, man, they were serving food, too. Like um, southern food, like um, bodang balls. I don't even know what that is. They're like balls with 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 fucking like um, rice and um, ground beef inside, dipped in gravy. And um, of course, they got me there. You know, like I, I wanted to buy a coke, so the first line was perfect. You know, like fuck, man. You know, it was like the best coke ever. Like, it, it, like it really brought me down. Like, <sighs> it was fucking good, man. Like, so I said, fuck it, give me three of them. But I, but after that, man, I could never. There were fugazis. Fuck no, man! I, I could never reach that level again. You know, I was just chasing the dragon. Oh but, no! Well, the first package, it's it like the first bomb out of the Good morning. man, it was like, ooh man, I was like, yeah man, it's gonna be a badass party. Order some bowdan balls. I had a meeting two weeks ago. With <laughs> man, man, I met a dude at Mariti. Holmes dude. Road, Holmes Road, it's called Holmes Where Road in Houston, and the guy's very sweet. And he said, hey, man, my buddy's writing a book about disco. And he comes here. Do you mind talking to him for 10 minutes? About two weeks ago, I went down to Marie T a little early, and I met the guy. The guy was gay, very sweet. We talked about a few discos in the city. And we were talking about he got on cocaine. He goes, do you mind if I ask you? And I said, bring it up. And he goes, you know what? And I asked him what. He, I told him what streets I copped at and shit. But the most important thing that I broke broke down from him, Felipe, and I didn't realize it until I got in the car, was that coke from the 80s, when you first did a blast of that shit. And well, I remember going to Miami in 84, Felipe, and the cocaine in Miami at the time that they had was making your eyes red. Mm. You weren't getting fucking speedy or nothing. You were just fucking lit. And your eyes got that red vein in them. 
and you stayed up for a day, but you weren't speedy. You just stayed up. Like, it was like a weird energy. But if you really tried, you could fall asleep if you really tried. Later on, you couldn't sleep for shit. You try to lay down and your sh fucking heart's pounding out of your fucking shirt. You have no idea. Sweating on your chest. And you couldn't Sweat. drink enough beer to, co to like... No, man, no. The cocaine burns through alcohol. Eh? Yeah, man. That's why it's one thing balances the other. So you get to a point between the alcohol, the nicotine, the THC, and the coke, the pills, and the coke. Everything is fucking running together. You know what I'm saying? Like they talk about the. Uh, somebody said to me, "Did you ever see Hunter S. Thompson's drug menu?" Listen, I lived it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What are you talking about? Except for the morning stuff. I was never a really morning drug guy. Me neither, man. Especially the last 20 years. I was too busy doing this shit so you can't be high in the morning. To, I never was a day drinker. That never happened. I, I don't like alcohol at night. Never mind at 2 in the fucking afternoon when I'm going to get a headache the rest of the fucking day. <laughs> but my shit at night, I went and went fucking deep and hard. And listen, I'm not, in the I'm not uh, glamorizing it by no means. I'm just showing you even Felipe then. In 2009, Felipe was still out. And I remember I would wake up some mornings and I'd have a missed call from Felipe at 6.15 <laughs> in the morning. I'd go, wow. And I'd call him up. What are you doing? He, by that time, he already copped. And he'd be telling me, I'm writing, dog. I, I woke up. I did some push-ups. <laughs> and I wouldn't put it together. Why Felipe would call me to call at 7 in the fucking morning. And I, I've been there where you just, let me just call. In your mind, you're like, let me just call Felipe. Maybe he's holding you know what I'm saying? I remember one day there was a guy you were asking about drug dealers, Lee. Let me tell you how wide open it is. Again, sorry to talk about this. This city, one of my favorite cities in the country, Hollywood, Houston, Texas, had a kid mm -hmm. that would come to your shows, Lee, and he would give you a bud, and you'd go, Wow, <laughs> this is Houston. Where did you get this from? He goes, This is what I grow. And he'd go, I got six other strains. You want to buy something? You're like, yeah. You'd go out to his car, Lee, and he had one of those construction trucks with the uh... pack, with the panels and shit. And I wish I was lying to you, Lee. I wish I was lying to you. He would open up the panels, and he'd have little jars of weed. This is fucking 12 years ago. The last stop was still open. Yeah. This was at the last stop when Rogan was headlining. Those things that you see of heat, uh, that that fucking uh, video that you see of Red Band texting me and me going off on him in 2003, that was then. That was then. This guy would show up to the shows, Lee, and he would have these weed containers. And then part of the conversation, they go, hold on. And it was like you were in that scene in Taxi Driver. I got fucking pills. And you're like, wait a second, what do you got? The one time he came to a show, he had Coke, Vicodin. Valium, Xanax, some tranquilizer you gave to retarded kids when they went over the top. PCP. He had something else. He had 20 different fucking things in there. He must have been your favorite. I used to give him 200 bucks, bro, and he would give me a to-go package that would <laughs> fucking make a mule sing. <laughs> he would give me like a half eight ball, fucking 20 Vicodins, 20 Xanax. Yeah, a variety pack. For oh, my God. He'd give me fucking animal tranquilizers. You have no idea. Would you do something like give you like your favorite drug dealer like a Christmas present or something? All or something the time. Like? 
Jesus Christ. My Don, Don Sleazy, I used to give him shit every year. Clothing, <laughs> hats, whatever they fucking gave me that I didn't want, I'd pass it on to my drug dealer. That's the Martell Martell? Yeah, because I usually owe them money. So this would kill things for a little while. At least I get a package on Christmas Eve. You know what I'm That's saying? That's funny. Sometimes like, you would take Dog, let me get a gram until sometimes tomorrow. Sometimes you, you would take them to shows to pick up. You're like, be, like you get a pair of 100, you write it next to you, you buy them a drink, you just get right next to it. No, I, I used to bring them to shows. I used to bring them to shows with me. Yeah, yeah I used to hang out at the Wild Coyote. Yeah, oh, I used to bring them to having shows. Having a good time, like a little groupie. I still talk. To, I talked to Don Yeah, good Sleazy. weed too, though. Yeah, he has tremendous weed. Good weed. I talked to Don Sleazy three days ago. Armo, my Armenian. Yeah. I talked to him about uh, every three weeks. How about but, the wolf? But the la the wolf is in New York selling real estate, making fucking money at Fuck. the age of 70 fucking three or four years old. You used to bring the wolf around too, bro. I used to, the wolf was my partner. You had to show that, but I used to order an extra burrito for him too. Oh, yeah, the wolf uh, was a dear friend. I had him on the podcast about eight months ago. <gasps> He's always I sold almost, cars, huh? I almost stabbed him. He came on here and his daughter told him not to talk about the old days, that he would be charged. And he came on here and sat there like a fucking retard. So I put him in a cab, and his ex-wife called me and asked me what I gave him. And I said, you know, he's the wolf. You never knew what he had in that top pocket. Never. I knew the wolf and since 1988. Is he named after the, the Pulp Fiction character? No. no. He's named after his own character. He's the original wolf. He's a car salesman in Denver, right? In Denver. I met him in Denver, originally from New York, an ex-weed dealer from Hawaii. Junkie New York, East Low East Side. He did also crack back in the day. We oh, had he, His family owned a <laughs> string of pharmacies, and he robbed all of them in the 60s. His I brother, had to were, They were Jewish, and his brother was the Jew Mambo King of the New York City in the early 50s. <laughs> the dance king? Yeah, they were all the dance he king would, Jews. Um, tell a story with his hand real cool, like, Joy, I'm losing my mind. He would fucking do shit. He was <laughs> the perfect partner, because when you're doing drugs like that, you have to have a partner, and you, there has to be an understanding that, listen, you scratch my back, <laughs> and I scratch your back. You know what that means, Lee? No. If today, Tuesday, t tomorrow morning, I wake up broke, and you wake up broke, and God forbid you get a check that got mailed to the wrong location, and now you get it in the mail for 280 I get 100 off the top. What? Yeah, 100 yeah, Because I might get a check Thursday when you're broke. It might be six, and you might. I might get six hundred. I might throw you a buck fifty. So you're like a you're like a like a little mini corporation. It's a mini corporation. It runs both ways. But there's times when we're both broke. It's like a corporation, man. And that's when I used to go. Oh, on that's when I would put my cape on. Okay, I mean, if it's if it, if like do, oh, yeah. do people like abide to it? Yes. Like, okay. Yes. I, grew I used up to with hate God. when I was a no. server and people would like pull tips. I'm like, I don't trust any of these motherfuckers. No, 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 no. This okay. is this is life. This is brotherhood life. This is, has nothing to do with people do it because they want to do it. So when you have a drug partner that picks you up every day at one and goes, "What's the schedule for the day?" And you're like, "Well, how much gas you got?" You know what I'm saying? How much <laughs> gas you got? That's number one. How much gas do we have to work with? Because we're broke. So we're going to have to fucking take a ride somewhere and pick up an oven. You know, <laughs> you never know what you got to do. Here. What are you going to do with an oven? You never know. It's you a might, quick 50. You might got to drive two around. Who gives a fuck, Lee? 50? When you're, when you're doing drugs, it doesn't matter. Every day is an adventure. Yeah, man. You're not living on that fucking computer. And I'm not, I'm not saying nothing bad. I just made a joke here. But you wake up.
and you have three fifty in your pocket. You gotta eat breakfast and you gotta get a pack of cigarettes. Cigarettes are six bucks or seven last time I checked. So you're already minus three fifty. So you hope Lee's still sleeping next door and you go leaps. Give me five bucks, I gotta get milk for breakfast or something. <laughs> I only got seven, Joey. Give me the five. Hurry up. Because the first thing you need is a cigarette to get the thinking going. Because there's a roach in the ashtray from the night before. Mm-hmm. Give me and five. Hurry up. Hurry up. And not a whole drove until 11, that fucking roach. So you got to smoke that cigarette, smoke that roach, shower, and get out that fucking door and hustle breakfast. So there's a guy that will give you an egg and sandwich and a yuho on the tab. That's the first place you hit. You tell him how you fucking left your wallet at your cousin's last night. You got to take a bus down there and pick it up. You'll swing by later and give him the three fucking bucks. There's no three bucks. You're not even taking a fucking bus. Nope. You're walking, bitch. This egg sandwich he gives you and this soda is your nutrients till who knows. You know what I'm saying? Until you can make some money. And, and you never know what you're going <coughs> to do. You never know yeah, what man. you're going to bump into. Next thing you know, I bump into Philippe and Philippe will go, dog, you're not going to believe this. You know that dude Lupe you don't like? Yeah. He stashes his drugs outside his house. That's it. We're on. We got a pipe. We got a mind fuck for the day. How are we going to do it? I don't know because the fucking, there's 10 Mexicans on one corner and there's 82 on the other. Yeah. Unless you dress up like a fucking mailman and go in there and pick the rocks <laughs> apart. I mean, Liam, we get creative. You know the time when, um, when I got fucked up in Houston, you know that one time? And I remember that young kid used to drive us around. He worked for the club. He loaned me a, a he loaned me a PlayStation Vita, one of those PSP. Uh, he, loaned me, he loaned me a PlayStation, the little ones you hold like a yeah, PSP, PSP. Yeah, a PSP. He had just got it, but I was all coked out playing games with it, you know. And he he loaned it to me, so when I took off, I took off with it. So I owe like three hundred dollars, bro, and I never pay the guy. And I think Joy paid him for me, and I didn't even know. And then one day, David, David, I, David he showed up to my good, show good. and I had money, bro. And I said, you know what? I never forget people who took care of me. So I just said, bro, I know you owe 300 bucks. So here, boom, boom, boom. I give him 300 bucks. And then I and then I find out from you that you gave him the 300 bucks. But it's all right, man. He was a good dude. He was a good dude. He deserved that money, he man. He was a good dude. Him and his cousin took really good care he of me. He took care of me, years. too, man. Over the years, you'd be surprised. David... I remember calling David at 2 in the morning going, David, I need a package. I don't know where to go, you know. <laughs> Can you give me a ride? And David will leave his wife, come over, pick me up. Yeah. And give me a ride to the other side of Houston and get a gram of coke from somebody. <coughs> you know, I was crazy. He also took you to dumplings whenever he wanted. Yes. He uh-huh. took you to dumplings and he took you to the other place, the fucking... Uh, Rudy's Barbecue, I think. Not bar- the barbecue, but the fucking kolaches. Kolaches! Kolache place. You know he that place to- was flooded, man? All yeah, that yeah, little yeah. area? Yeah, yeah. It was All those cheap hotels they used to put us in, bro, the laptop? Man, it was bad. It was flooded, man. How'd you do this week? It was good, man. Um, was it ready? Is it ready to go? It was ready to go, man. Um, I... I you don't, donated half. I donated half of the money to the to the Houston Food Bank, and the other place was um, a Friends for Life Animal Shelter. It's a no kill animal shelter. They don't kill the animals. Good for you, bro. Like if uh, you bring a dog, like some of the they rescued a lot of animals from the floods. So if you're missing an animal, man, go check there. They don't kill them, man. Like if you there's a dog with no legs, they give him a little wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. They have a with they have wheelchairs now, and they, and they're bringing dogs all around the country. So check your check yourself. To- so that was good, man. I want to. I, I felt because Sean Wynn was there when the when the hurricane started. He left. He did a Thursday show, but he was gone by Friday. 
then the, so there were no shows so um i'm like one of the first shows back since after the flood so i sold out some shows i was happy thank you very much houston strong but it was good man i, cause I remember like when we were struggling like we were taking any gig with mark babbitt you know and then we got booked you and i we co-headlined together at the at the at the houston improv i remember to forget that man. i sold 35 cds for 20 bucks and that's pretty much saved me because we weren't making that much money. But man, man, you knew everybody there, man. I was, because I remember that one night when I stood up for five days over there, I called you up. I said, you know anybody? And you could call up some guy named Jenkins. Not Jenkins, some other guy, man, some local comedian. And then I, I think I hooked up with a guy you're talking about that had all the drugs. Yeah. It was some little Mexican dude. Real nice guy, man. But gangster, the dealer in OG. Houston, very good gentleman over there. My man. original dealer in Houston <laughs> would show up to the club on Thursday or to the hotel and take orders. And no, 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 he dropped something off me at the hotel <laughs> to take the stress level down. Orale. And he'd say, "I'm not going to collect till Saturday. Run it. Run the tab." So Thursday, I had a package. I had to do radio Friday or Wednesday. In those days, it was Wednesday through Sunday. And I didn't mind sleeping in Houston on Sundays because it was another party night on Monday. Hell Monday yeah. was the open mic. Yeah, the you open see? mic so was tight. Lee, it I, was a long six days in the Houston. Yeah, man. The, <sighs> ooh. And then it was packed, bro, with like, like lo- a lot, a lot of local. I'm talking Monday nights, guys, open mic. 300 people from 7 to 2 fucking a.m., 60 fucking comics. 60 fucking comics, and man, a lot, a lot of open micers and a lot of like Drinking, people, locals will show up. booze, blow, reefer, 8 to fucking 10.30 for whatever they charge you would be one of the best shows you ever fucking yeah, saw. Yeah, man, that life. last time open mic Those young shit. open micers and those feature acts were brilliant, and then the headliner was stay. Because that was it. Because he was head- fucked up. And the headliner from the other club would stay. Yeah. Because the, there was three clubs in those days. So you had three headliners on a Monday night. Place was packed, 10 bucks, you know, dollar beers till fucking 11. What do you expect, Lee? Oh, my God. And you would get fucked up every night. And then you had to get up Monday <sighs> all over again. Again. And then, like, right outside the club, man, like, oh, I remember sitting on outside in the curb of the club, like, with a bunch of people that were at the show, we were all fucked up, man. It was awesome. Man. It's awesome. That was, those are memories, man, that they're embarrassing. But at the same time, like I told when Ron White was here, I, I met Ron White behind the Houston Lab Stop, 1998. Tommy John. He was opening up for Kathleen Madigan, and we're out there smoking a joint. And, you know, that, uh, that's the reason why I would go. Listen, I would go to Houston because I had all my necessities covered. Good food. I always brought reefer. Or I had reefer down there. Mm-hmm. And I had the best cocaine out of all the cities. My cocaine cities were Houston. Dallas always played with me. Dallas I could go to one time and I had more coke than Noriega. Then the other time I couldn't get a fucking gram or fucking nothing. El Paso was always there. Always. The rest of uh, oh, Texas was always there. Miami, I was covered. Atlanta, I was covered. D.C., I was covered. Myrtle Beach, forget about it. It's right there at the club waiting for you. 
Forget about the Jersey clubs, the New York clubs, all those clubs. There's always somebody who sells coke. Poughkeepsie, there's one dude at those clubs. You talk about it on stage. You walk over to the bar. As you're getting a drink, the bartender will go, that joke about the fucking blow was hysterical. And he'll give you a long look. Sometimes you check in, and right away the guy who picks you up asks you if there's anything you need. Remember that club we did in Iowa? Remember that gig you got me? Oh, that was uh, oh. Whitey's, Whitey's Billiards and, and um, the Buke. They were, and it was a fucking cocaine haven. Yeah, the pool table, rednecks and Mexicans. And the guy paid you at the airport, and he gave you the weed for the night. Yes. Bro, he paid you when he picked Whitey. you up. Whitey! That was the name of Whitey. He, pay, he paid you when he picked you up, Lee. Okay. And he gave you a fucking package. And then he looked me in the face and he goes, I'll come back to the whole town and bring you some blow. And I go, I'm done. I don't do it anymore. And on the way there, he was telling me where we were, Dubuque. Yeah. Was the number one place for meth in the country that if somebody saw that you had Dubuque plates, they would actually ask you. If you had meth on you, because that's what it was known for. The owner owned that town, man. So the owner owned that town. Yeah, we like go five car lots. We check into the fucking, I check into the hotel my weekend. First off, you have to take two planes there. You fly into Chicago. Then you got to take a smaller plane into southern uh, Illinois. And did you, you do the casino first, then the view? No, 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 no. I did the Mexican restaurant. Okay. I'm talking about the Mexican restaurant. You got this get confused. How's the Mexican right. restaurant in Dubuque, Iowa? That, oh, that was right. Dog. Because they landed in Mexico. They Instead of going to L.A. The guy from Riddles drove you. No, no, no. That was when I went to the Michigan. That was when I went and did the, the Penguins gig. Okay. You got me a gig one time where you flew into Chicago and the guy picked you up on the southern tip of Chicago, of Illinois, and then he drove you over into Iowa. And Mike they, Hill. And they were the first Mexicans ever in Iowa. Yes, and they Mike opened Hill. Up a Mexican restaurant. He picks me up at the fucking. <laughs> There's a guy named Coco who picks you up. Like a spot on his face. Yeah. He got like a birthmark on his face. He picks you up in a truck, Lee. He gives you an envelope, and he gives you a fucking I'm, handful of reefer. Which I already have. East Chicago, you were by the Iowa, like the the border. Something of it. over there. The yeah, guy no, told me all the, of these messages were lawyers. But the guy told me where you're going. It's the where meth is fucking invented. Yes. So if they see people with those or whatever plates, and I'm sorry to say the name, I'm I'm not saying it correctly. I'm not here to insult your city. If he told me at the gas station that they did a big thing about it on HBO, everybody knows it's a big meth thing. Okay. He takes me to the Hotel Lee. It's so fucking secluded that if you miss the 6 a.m. flight, you ain't flying out to the next day. <laughs> Hell no. It's one of those fucking places, okay? I'm not sure if my wife was pregnant. I'm not sure what the fuck happened. But all I know is I get to the gig, and the mother's there, the father's there, the parents, everybody's there, the families, the wives with rocks in their hand. Everybody's drinking margaritas. Two comics went up. They brought me up. I did my 40 minutes. It was a lot of fun. They sold like 80 tickets. Okay. Second show, the parents leave me. And all of a sudden, the place turned into fucking evening of monsters. Everybody. And Lee, look at me when I talk to you real quick. You know, I never to look at you like this. If there were 60 people in that bar including the staff and the workers, everybody was on blood. <laughs> that, that shit turned to dust to dog. Dawn. It turned from dust to dawn. Jaws were going. People were waiting online by bathrooms. 
drinks were everywhere. I tried to do the second show. There was no Those fucking... Those of 80 conversations. no fucking nothing. I gave up after <laughs> 25 minutes, and you know me. I'll beat them up if I have to for 10. Nothing. I got off, and they were happy, bro. That was what you said. They I were so coked up. The guy offered me again on the way there. The guy's like, you want? You want? And he was <laughs> fucked up already at 11. I looked at him 80 times. Are you going to be pick me up at fucking 430? I'll be there, dog. Better, I'll be there. I'll pick you up. Was this a tall Mexican? I don't remember, dog. I know he called me a few times. He contacted me maybe the first time I went had to be 10 years ago. Yeah. And then he kept calling me for a few years. He was going to bring me back, but... He scared me. That shit scared me. I can't handle that now. Not now. Where was he 20 years ago? I would have moved there. Yeah. I would have just fucking stayed. There was fucking broads. There was fucking drinking. There was a bartender. Just gave, It was like 1980. I used to go to a bar called The Rooftop. $12 to get in all you could drink from 3 to fucking 7. It was the same thing. People all over the place. Conversations, a line to go to the men's bathroom, a line to go to the women's bathroom. Everybody talking nonsense. I think that guy the name was Sam. Who from Chicago? F- what is this Jeopardy? Who gives yeah, a man. fuck? Shout out, so Sam. All I know is it was a fun fucking. You always, you and me always did those fucking gigs. Hell yeah! Where the night ended up in a question mark. Oh yeah, like when you first get into comedy, you do these gigs with a night in Odessa. Uh, and it's seventeen people, but the guy paying you still. Remember we did Odessa, the Wild Wild West bar. Me, you, and Marilyn. Yeah, no, no, Rudy. It was it was, it was Odessa, or it was Odessa that was with fucking what's the name around Roman John Roman, and it was like thirty five people, but the guy still paid us. Wasn't that with Nikki Guerra? Yes. Are you sure that was the weekend? It was like in a in a bar, bro, in the middle of nowhere in Midland, Texas. That was where you got so that, raided. That's when you had the, the the bartender had those big ass titties and she had okay. a biker bar. Okay. Right there. Those yeah. guys didn't give a fuck how full it was because everybody was making money there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they robbed the place. Yeah, and everybody went to federal the big, prison. Big tits and the biker boyfriend husband, they got locked up or she ratted him out or he got out. She testified that, against some guys. That guy was this crazy, is the bro. This is the comedy. <clears throat> this is the I, I told you about that gig because I said, bro, don't worry about it, bro. Nobody's going to show up, but the guy still pays you because he loves comedy and he's trying to build a, a comedy scene over there. And, and that guy paid me, man. I couldn't believe it. You dude. pulled up to a trailer. That was a trailer. Yeah. And he'll there give was you whatever, whatever good money he'll give you. There was it was no, a trailer. It, it was, was a warehouse. Trailer. There was bar, nothing, nothing around there, guys. Dust. Dust. A couple of horse, like people, and people drove. That's the place where the people said, I want to take a picture with you. And I go, okay, let's take it. And they're like, we don't have a camera. <laughs> and I go, so how are we going to take a picture? And they go, I don't know. And, I go, and, you, and they're holding you. Huh? And they're holding you for the photo, but there's no camera. No, 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 no. The guy shook my hand, and I could feel how dirty the whole family was. <laughs> The whole family was dirty. The two daughters had no necks. They just kept looking at me like they were fucking Martians. Like <laughs> they had never been out at night before and shit. And uh, real aliens. Fa- real aliens. The father waited till the end, and he shook my hand, and his hand was filthy. <laughs> you ever shake somebody's hand? His hand is filthy. But I mean, like there's grease. My dad is a mechanic. And then he had on top of that, he had like that little mild salt. 
Yeah. You know, if he went to the beach and he put his hands in butter and he put them in salt <laughs> and, uh, and then he dipped them on the beach. Sure, that happens all the time. Well, you never know. That's what his hands felt like. He had, In other words, he hadn't washed his hands in three or four fucking days. Okay, that's what his hands felt like. So after we shake hands, I go, how you doing? He goes, you know, you were pretty funny. He goes, listen, you want to take a picture? He goes, yeah. And we just, we had like an uncomfortable moment for like 20 <laughs> seconds. We're like, oh, you got a camera? And he goes, no, I don't. <laughs> I go, so how are we going to take a picture? How are we going to get it to you? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, I just want to take a picture. Damn. So that's the type of bar that fucking was. Man, the owner of that place, remember the, the biker guy? The guy uh, with the hair. Yeah, the but, beard, but yeah. there was another crazy and guy, that, another sold, guy. That, that sold, there was another crazy guy that sold, um, He sold ecstasy, but they gave me some weed, right? And then in the, in the afternoon, after press, he the owner calls me, oh, Felipe, we're going to go to the fights. You want to go to the fights? And I said, I'm I'm good, man. All right, no, we're going to go, man. We're going to go to the fights. It's, it's, it's fine, man. We're all going. Half of the town's going to be there. And I said, oh, all right, man. Then I started looking around, man. What kind of fight is this, man? No, it's dog fights. Oof. You know, my pet booth fight, you know, I got $3,000 on him. And I said, nah, man, I don't want to go, man. You just take me back. I got to go over my set. I got to take a nap, man. I'm tired from radio. You know, I, I fuck, dog. Is that how they get done in Texas? Like, this is uh, an actual dog fight. And they're going to, like, he, he had a farm, and they're going to have it at some other guy's farm. And, and this guy's the only guy who drives a red Hummer in town. Then there was the other place that the owners were Mexicans. But the kid who ran the club was white, and he was a magician. And he was married to two people, and the cops were looking for him. He had a warrant out in Houston because the they cops were all were Esparza, out. probably. We did a giveaway at and they own a club, and these guys were all Esparzas. I don't know what they were. I know the town was whatever we did it. And again, I'm not here to disrespect any. I love Texas. Texas rocks. We moved to Texas, and this place was fucked up. I don't know. It was a border town, close to the border. It was fucked up. McAllen. The fucking uh, the bar was owned by belt buckle Mexicans, <laughs> cowboy hats, and the boots. And when you got there, they gave you an eight ball right off the bat on a fucking Friday. It was four shows. And the bar got busted a couple times. Jesus Christ, what about the other place? And where's Selena from? Corpus Christi, bro. They get down over there, too. Corpus Christi. I had some weird fucking... Somebody left me a big bump in the toilet, bro. Somebody gave me coke. When they had... Remember, they there was a com there was a club down there that for years they tried to do something with it. And they had like a milkshake type theme. Yeah. It was the like one a, that the devil bought before before um it was it was something else. It was a club at an empty fucking mall. It was, like, it, was a it was a comedy club. I did it with Marilyn. Yeah, Marilyn went down there. It was good money, and came Saturday night. Marilyn called me. She goes, "Joey, come to my room. I have something for you." And I went over there. Her and Dave were eating fucking. God bless their soul. They were eating fucking chocolates and popcorn and salami and shit. They were hysterical. When they went on the road, Lee, they brought a fucking cooler with them. Like, I had never seen that. Not a cooler cooler. You know, those big, big, big industrial coolers. Salami, cheese, fucking beers, crackers. Snacks. They would bro. go into a hotel room. They wouldn't have to leave. That's why she was 400 fucking pounds. Because she would just sit there with her dress on that bed, fucking eating snacks all day, licking her fingers and shit. I went to a hotel room, and she gave me, like, there had to be three, four grams of blow. 
I go, where'd you get this from? And she goes, the owner. He didn't give you none? And I go, you fucking crazy. He didn't give me none. She goes, go downstairs. He's got something for you. I took Marilyn's and I went downstairs and the owner's like, I've been looking for you. Take this. This is part of your payment. I stayed there. I missed that fucking flight. I didn't leave till Monday, yeah. Well, what happened if, like, I, I came and I don't do coke? And he's like, yeah, that's part of your payment. Yeah, it looks did like did anyone doing, ever do you give that? it away or you sell it? It looks like you're doing coke. You find a woman that wants to do it, bro. It doesn't have any. When you come back, you come back to LA, you make a few calls and you get rid of it wholesale. Fuck. Or you um, you nah, rock it up, bro. Nah, you order nah, People up. wouldn't give you nothing like that. It just, they knew. These are all. Listen, you played at places that were legitimately, you played at some places that people wanted to try comedy. Don't forget Bugsy in Tucson, bro. Bugsy's oh in Tucson. Oh, my God. Big Alex. 150 bucks Wednesday night. 150 they, bucks flat. Nice hotel. You, they flew you out of Burbank. The what a gig. The hotel was questionable. Oh, yeah. It was a, the it was fucking, a, the ta- a haunted golf course. Oh, but the tacos across the street from mm. the hotel. The Mexican food across the street from the hotel. <laughs> Oh, you were there was the, Gabriel Iglesias on your first gig with Don when he lost his virginity. virginity. That's that's what me and face smell like the trash the can chick, and red lobster and the chick, and the chick. <laughs> mommy, mommy, mommy. Yeah, mommy, mommy, mommy. Debra Gutierrez. Debra Gutierrez. Now, if you went to Bugsy's and you brought a bug, they let you in on Wednesday nights. What kind of bug? What any, a, any time, just any like, bug. A, like a gross. That was like the if ultimate you, gig, kill, man. If you killed the fly mm-hmm. and you brought it with you on Wednesday night, they let you in for free in a baggie. Yeah, man, you can hook up with anybody there, man. I hope that was a pregnant chick. Fucking crazy. Where would they put that baggie? Up your assholey. I don't fucking know. I didn't ask. The, the owners, they just know what you like to party, man. They'll give it to you. Oh, my God, Lee. That was crazy Wednesday nights. And nobody and I, missed that flight because they're going to give you another one. And I was on the rotation. I was going every seven weeks. <laughs> like, every seven weeks, Rudy would call me pissed off. Joey, you know how you much were, um, Gabriel got that for that show? Because Rudy, Rudy Moreno had asked me, you know any comedians that want to do it for real cheap? And I knew Gabriel Iglesias, Fluffy, had just started doing style in the comedy oh, two weeks. Two weeks. But he was already killing. Killing. So I said, hey, man, I know this comic that I could do it. He got $60 in Las virginity. Oh, my God. And a pl- $60 in a plane ticket? Mm-hmm. And you flew out of Burbank, South. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it was, was like, tremendous. It was We were spoiled. I don't know if we were spoiled, but it was like, it was good to have those gigs at the time. You, you know? flew down Wednesday morning at about... 11 o'clock, mm-hmm. some dude who weighed 600 pounds, Alex, picked you up in a fucking truck at the Tucson airport, and you went to a fucking restaurant. Good fucking Listen food. Listen to me, dog Lee. Oh he my weighed God. 600 pounds. Shrimp tacos. What do you think that order looked like? When you got to your table, you're fucking, he weighed 600, he had fat on the back of his neck, Lee, like one of those guys on the 600 pound line. Like he was one of those guys. Yeah, my head. But he was mobile. Yeah, he would walk like 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 walk. <laughs> he would take us to that place first. You ate, and then you took a nap because trust me, a nap. What was, we ordered like twenty tacos. Tacos, good asadas. They like so, they have good cocktails, man. Good everything, fucking everything, food, man. Really, everything. Just think of a table with fucking like, every type of food on it. Like, and he only pays forty eight dollars. Shrimp, like you can order. Give me two shrimp cocktails, a shrimp quesadilla, and, and two fish tacos, and it was right there, man. We got him up to the room. You took a Michel- nap. Yeah, we started drinking micheladas. And then he would drink micheladas. He'd pick you up at 7.30. Mm-hmm. The gig started at 8. Three comics did 30 minutes apiece. 
and then they did a disco DJ. Mm -hmm. And that's when you met your little victim for the night. Hell yeah. She she stuck around after the show. They stuck around after the show. You picked up your little girlfriend. They took you to this hotel where the door didn't close. It was crazy. It was a crack hotel. I was there with a chick one time with the comedian, a female comic, and she called me in the middle of the night that somebody was opening up a bathroom window and shit. That's a cracky hotel, but go there now. It's beautiful. They redid it. It's got like a southern, uh, what's that? The western, southwestern flair. It's orange with marble and shit. I was just there maybe 10 years ago, 8 years ago. I met a woman there that just had a baby, bro. Like she had a newborn. And I remember we had sex, bro, where the baby was crying, man. And I was trying to keep the baby crying going, shh. But, man, they have, I, I, I had a lot of good food in Tulsa, man. You know, besides all that, I had ranch, french fries, and bacon bits for the first time there. Lee, that's, we used Fucking to- Fucking hey, man. And I remember you ordered a fucking 20-piece frozen chicken. L- let me tell you something, Lee. In those days- We were fucking slobs. We were slobs, one. B, we were making no money. <laughs> so half the payment was the food mm. in that city. It's like anybody knew that anytime you have any of those rides, Modesta, Visalia, uh, all those Fresnos, anything north, there's a stop on the 101 North or something, the 5 North Lake, and he's my witness. That's why I told you that time. There's like an exit. There's a food truck and a gas station. And it was well known that on the way up, you always stop there. And it was young, delicious dog. I'm talking 20 years ago. Mexican food? Yeah. It was He's talking about that place that you go in a subway. A gas station. A, a gas station? Yeah. It's almost like a subway. Yeah. You open a door, and then you're in a Mexican restaurant. No, 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 no. They, no. they still had the food truck outside. It was like an old lunch truck. Okay, no, that was, I know what that one is. You know what that one is? Yeah, because the on the side, it's an Indian restaurant. Yes, yeah, something crazy. Yeah, but the good fucking burritos, Oh, man. my God, Lisa, yeah. All that shit. And it's they were $3. back. Man. And the tortas, man, it was fat. And like, if you order a chorizo torta, the fucking torta bread was red. Yeah, you have to go to places like those yes. days. That place still there? Anywhere I went, it was because I was doing comedy. I could practice my routine. A, B, I was getting paid. Sleep well. Not a lot of money. Sometimes I didn't stay and sleep. Sometimes I pocketed the hotel money and fucking drove back five hours. Like a savage. Like I was one of those guys. You're a savage, bro. I would do that. You would just cut corners. No, I would go fuck it. I'm not. I'm gonna snort coke Thursday and Friday. My gig is Saturday, so by Saturday I won't want to snort, but I won't want to stay up there either. I'll do the gig and drive back. You know, I would take even though I was snorting a lot in those days. I would also know when I was taking the days off. I would plan the day off, so I would snort all the way up to that day off. You know, it was easy. It wasn't hard. And then there was another gig, man, with, oh, my God, that Rick Martinez used to have with, with a crazy white boy magician in Stockton. That guy hooked me up, too, man. He was like, he showed up with, like, all kind of chains and shit, that Mexican dude. Him and his girlfriend in a van. Yeah, man, that was tight. There's so many dudes, man, like, why didn't they start doing comedy shows? You know, it's it's funny that... Then we did that taping for no reason in Sacramento. We didn't know the taping. Well, at least I didn't know. It's funny, Felipe, that we're talking about all these gigs. And again, this Saturday, you're on HBO. I know, like, man. And it's an like HBO... Like who the fuck would have thought, man? When we were doing those Wednesday night, and, you know... 
I talk about it on the podcast all the time that and we're just making eating. a living. You, me, Ralphie May, man, just hanging Ralphie out, man. Eating, sharing, eating a burrito, and not even thinking about what's going to happen in the future. They're just eating a fat ass burrito. <laughs> Sixty dollars doing Camachos. Forty bucks Camachos. Then Forty bucks. Your... Ralphie May would do go show up for sixty dollars. Then you give and me a burrito and a buffet. You'd always it's save me a green pork burrito. Yes. When I'd walk in, Felipe would hand me a pork, a green pork burrito with rice and beans. Oh, Lee, you have no fucking idea. And then I would raid around, do my little spot. Hopefully that Willie would get off in time. And then I would do my little fucking time and get in that car and come back. Hopefully pick up another gig or I'd have a spot at the comedy store. Those are the gigs. They made me, man. Yeah, they made who I am too, and I'm, you know, because I would do it every day. Yeah. It was every day. Every, I knew that every day I had to make a fifty dollars somewhere because I would add it up for thirty days. You know, I needed to make fifty dollars because my rent was two ninety five at the time. I found a garage. I found a good spot to live in Frogtown, right next to Emilio, Emilio Rivera's house, a little a little one studio, bro, right next to a Salvadorian guy. Salote tanto toda la noche, salote mucho ruido, salote, and I lived there, bro, like. And man, I try to, every every money I got, I fucking was well, like you did for drugs. But when I was sober, when I didn't do drugs, I found another way to fuck up my life. You know, I started gambling. Like me and Gabriel Iglesias, we would go, we would make a hundred dollars and drive to the Morongo Casino and try to flip it to three hundred, four hundred, and we would lose, bro. I remember we did a show with Dante, the comedian Dante, and he paid us um well six seven hundred dollars, and we pulled over to the Chumash Casino, and we fucking lost it all in nine hours, huh. and we were up and down, bro, up and down, up and down, and I remember watching Gabriel's thirteen hundred dollars go away, and he put his head down, and he said, "Wow, there goes my laptop. I was gonna buy." <laughs> <laughs> and he missed the gig he missed the gig you know because i know we we fucking um we we stood there we fucking didn't sleep and we we missed our fucking gig man the next gig so i always found a way to fuck up my life you know i don't know if you ever had a problem gambling when i was younger i did i, 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 was, a, I was like an I idiot bro i didn't like I would it go to the horses i didn't like it I like, listen, I like you calling me and going, hey, what are you doing this afternoon? Let's go to Santa Anita. Let's stop at the ATM. I take 60 bucks out. When I get there, we get a hot dog. We go for a walk. We smoke a joint. We bet till we lose the 40. Or if we win, we we stay. Usually I do five. If we do five or six fucking races, we did an hour and a half. We got some sun. We had a nice hot dog cooked by dirty people. You had yourself some headache beer. And you bet you you fucked around for a little while. What do you give a fuck? <laughs> if you're going down there to make a living, that's a complete different set of rules right there. If you're going down there to make a living, like to, you need to pay rent, so you're going to go down to the horse track, and that's how you think you're going to make it, good luck to you. I remember you had a joke about, a funny joke about gambling, and then you, you busted out. You you, would, you would busted out at Wild Coyotes, or, you know, we did a lot of sports bars, bro. Oh. A lot of places that to turn off the fucking Laker game or whatever game that was on for comedy and didn't like that shit. And you said, I, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck about no fucking NFL. I wear a hat every Sunday. 
It's at the Raiders negative seven. No, yeah, I got a hat that says minus seven. Minus seven. Minus at the, seven. So the Raiders need it's to lose by seven. You mentioned that. I was thinking about a gig the other day that it was in a place that you did comedy, and right next to it was where you, I mean, guys, right next to where you stood, 50 yards from where you stood was a fucking those basketball things. Where you shoot the basket, and if it goes in, it goes around, and you win a fucking prize. Yeah, a I carnival. Think, and I think it was the Sebastian Zatina room. So I went to the haha about three weeks ago on a Wednesday. I go, let me go on a two or Thursday. On a Thursday. Thursday, I said, he called me, uh, the other kid, uh, Sapata. And he goes, bro, you never dropped by on a haha on a Thursday. I, go, I didn't know you were there. So I was at the store that night. I go, let me get another set under my belt. I pulled up. I go in there. The fuck was I talking about? Though? You're talking about Saint Sebastian. So I saw Sebastian Satina, man, and he goes, "Do you remember me?" And I go, "I never forgot you." <laughs> you know, I go, "How many fucking gigs did you give me?" You know what I'm saying? Let's be honest. You paid the fucking bills. He was the king of the Acapulco gigs. He had all the Acapulcos. He Every had, Acapulco, Manapalo, Whittier. He had that gig where you had the fucking basketball court yeah. next to the comedy stage. That was one of his gigs, man. It was weird how all these young comics and had thousands of gigs. And rest in peace to Rudy Medina, Rudy Medina. who I gave him a shout out on my, my last Bad special. I, I told him, rest in peace, Rudy Medina. This guy was a, this guy was a kid who would show up every Wednesday, get heckled, and Willie used to beat his ass in comedy, like make fun of him. And he started doing comedy. And he used to book a, a pizza place that was 18 over Tutos. And he would pay cash, man. Remember Rudy Medina? Fuck yeah. He used to book the whatever country club. The Whittier Country Club. What's the other one? It was a country club somewhere over there. Cause Sage? Oh, you- no. It was in Orange County. I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, no, no. What's the place you used to do? Tortillas. Yeah. By the hospital. Yeah. Same exit to go to that country club. So think about that exit. What's what, what was the name of the town where we did Whittier. It was the Whittier Country Club. Abizas. He had a he had a gig inside the Whittier Country Club that I did three or four times. He was a great kid. Yeah. And I mean, he tried I, I, hard. And that's listen, half the time when you really love comedy and you are not getting booked. It was the Montebello Club. The Montebello Country Club. Country Club. And you don't know how to get booked. You know what you do? You go to a bar. Start a fucking room. And you start a room. And you don't, you're not Sinatra. You're not going to fucking pay your rent and drive a rental car because off this gig. This is money for you to drink and get a blast. Pick up chicks. Girl home. This is what this gig is for. So Wednesday night is presented by whatever your fucking name is. And next thing you know, on Wednesdays, comics are coming to your bar. They're trying stand up, and you're getting on stage every week, which is the fucking most important thing. And before you know it, you have two people, then you have six, then you have 16, then you have 34, and now you have 44, 45 people every fucking week. You're in business. You follow me? That's how you get into comedy. And listen, if it wasn't for Felipe... And fucking Willie and Rudy, even Rudy with the Brave Bull. Come on, I did the that Brave gig. Bull. I did that gig every fucking weekend for a year for the small twenty-five, but it didn't matter. And every once in a while, you could open up for a band. Yeah, because the small twenty-five got you a hundred a month. If you did ten of those things, you paid rent. You did a couple. Be clean, all right? Yeah, you had to be clean. I ain't gonna be fucking. Fuck clean. that shit. Be clean. 
So that's how you become a comic. Let me give some shout-outs here, my brother. Shout-outs. All right, so Aaron Granger, my man, Joe T. Comedy. Comedy Papa Dak. One-on-one, one-by-one podcast, my buddy Mikey Stein. Chin from Taiwan, you little fucking cocksucker. I love you. Chin's the best. Chin's the best. Pepperoni Playboy and my fucking perro, Jeffrey Collins, the man of fucking steel. Always there for us one way or another. Tell the people at home how this special came. No, don't put the glasses on because you're upset. Um, you're a young guy. You don't need glasses. The the special actually the special was DIY. I did it. I I did it myself. I saved up some money the last couple of years, and uh, my wife Lisa Sparza, we uh, we worked together on it. Um, with the production part of it. So we we produced it ourselves. We hired um Claude Shires, and he's a comedian. He has an Unreal Media. He um he edited my um first special for for Scott Montoya, the Showtime special. And um we got him to direct the special. And everything we did ourselves. Like I was even like if you when the show ends, you'll see the credits. It says craft service, Felipe Esparza. I was getting sandwiches and feeding the crew all day before my show. And we did it at the San Jose Improv, you know. We did it at the San Jose Improv. And my agent, Chris Smith, from ICM, he shopped it around, and HBO were like, they fell in love with the production of the show, like, everything was right, the background, and they normally don't buy specials, they produce their own specials, they don't buy specials from unknowns, you know, I am unknown, you know, they buy specials from, you know, the, the top comedians, so I was very surprised when they said they wanted to buy it, and... They didn't want to change anything of it, you know, and they wanted to be at HBO behind it 100%. And they got me a bunch of press, and um, it'll be on September 30, produced by Lisa Esparza, Felipe Esparza. So she's not managing no more. She's the producer. She's the producer. Exactly the producer. You tell your mom. Yeah, I told my mom about it, you know. She's happy. She's My mom got to see the special. When I was in, a, I had a show in New York at the, at Caroline's, I was there for a week, and I went there with my friend Chris Torin and Rodrigo Torres, Silent Bob, and I invited my mom, and she I flew out. You took your mom. She That's flew out, bro. We went to go see the the Cooney Island. We were on the same train, and she got to go to every single show, and she sat in the back and gave me a standing ovation after every show. A lot of jokes are about her, and she approved it. So <coughs> she said, No, pura mentira, cabrón. ¿Por qué mentiras? You know, she thinks it's an exaggeration, but, you know, in her own way, she's proud. She's happy, bro. That's awesome. How long did it take you to work for the material? Oh, oh man, it takes me, like, two years. For the one hour. Three piece. years, actually, to get it right. It took me two years to actually write it, you know, to where um, where I know what jokes I'm going to say, but it took me, like, another, th- another year to actually, like, get comfortable because when I do, like, my material, I like to get comfortable with my material where, like, I don't want to lean on a closer like, oh, man, I, I didn't get to do my closer. So once I know that my ending is sharp and it's closing hard, I like to begin with those jokes, you know, to challenge myself if I could keep the consistency of laughter. So I got to challenge myself. Sometimes, you know, I have a bad set in 45 minutes, you know. The crowd doesn't know that the shit he said, but I know in my mind it's a bad set. Oh yeah, we've discussed this on the show before. Yeah, man. So I gotta do what I can. 
I'm dying inside, bro. I know the shit's not working. I feel like I'm selling, I'm selling out. It's very interesting that I pulled into town uh, January of 97. And you're one of the first cats I met. At the Laugh Factory. At the Laugh Factory. But then we used to do sets on Sunday nights. Damn. At you the were improv. At the, at the improv and for Mercedes. For John Mercedes. Is he alive? Rest in peace also. Also. Um, oh, this is John Mercedes. Also, um, we, we used to do the potluck when they put the names inside. Big Fat Chewy. A guy that used to, used to give a ride to, to the hospital. To the hospital. Now, let me ask you this. What was the name of the guy that used to go on stage? He used to say he was Spanish, and he played the fucking stick against the floor. That was he uh, was blind. No, he wasn't blind. He go oh, and he play a stick. He was one of the top Latin comics when the revolution started. I see him a lot. I don't know who that is, and I forget what his name is. Not Larry Omaha, right? No, we always talk mildly, but we keep it light. Because I really don't know what his fucking name is. He had a stick? Yeah, he would go on stage with a stick, and he was a favorite of... It was a whole different Latin scene. I don't know who that and guy had, is. And it had a lot of... Pro- like, when I... It's not, it's not um, um, about um, O'Brien and Valdez, right? The duo? No. The drunk no, Irish no, guy no. and a blind guy. They were the first comedians I met, man. Yeah, no, no, no. Cool no. guys, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I met no, a lot no. of good comics, you know, like Willie Barsena, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what was the guy that he, he fell in love with a transgender and he moved to Texas with her and shit? <laughs> so when that... Like, Ruben Quintana? Nah. No, he... One of those guys began a born-again Christian. That's Ruben. Ruben. And I he, called him one time. He like, brought hey. that waitress over from El Paso that was crazy. He did something crazy. He married a woman with nine kids. <gasps> That's crazy. And became born again Christian. And I, I remember I called him for a gig. But he was an animal too, though. Before. I loved him. Yeah, yeah he was cool, we bro. Ruby Katana was one of the comedians oh that I thought was so fucking I can't hilarious. Believe you brought him up. I loved him. With all he was the first heart. guy I met at the Natural Fudge. Him and yeah. Byron Keith. He was very cool. And I remember he moved. I left him a message for a gig, and he called me back, and he goes, "How dare you curse <laughs> on my answering machine? I'm a Christian now. You insulted my wife." You insulted my family. My kids are scared. <laughs> I go, I'm so sorry, Doug. And I never spoke to him. Man, he never called me again. I love that dude. We had wild conversations. I cannot believe you brought him. Because you did. Fool. Let me tell you some people. As cold-blooded as you think comedy is and whatever, you make certain bonds with certain comics. And my bond with Felipe is, you know, we're done till... They bury us, you know what I'm saying? And I know when they bury him, it's going to take a piece out of me. And when they bury me, it's going to take a piece out of him because we were here 20 years ago. We went through this together. We did the same gigs. If I got a gig, he got a gig. If he got a gig, I got a gig. That's just the way it did. Joey Medina, there was a bunch of us. Then when you see now. I was just talking to my wife about that, you know, because, you know, I did we all in Houston and we were talking on the phone. And I said, you know what? You know, somehow, uh, um, someone always took care of me, you know, or, or I took care of somebody. And I remember, like, I was, it was New Year's Eve, and I had nothing to do, bro. And you canceled on on that that black dude in Fresno with the bicycle casino, the 21 casino, whatever it was. 
It was um, that guy that was a radio station guy in, in Fresno. Oh, shit. Him. Uh, um, Bancroft, whatever his name was. That guy. And then you call me up, Felipe, man, what are you doing tonight? Nothing, man. I can't make it to a gig in fucking Fresno for uh, Andrew McConaughey, whatever that guy was, man. And, um, good dude. Good dude, man. Good, good dude. dude. He, he was from the radio station. He's still there in the morning in the yeah. radio station. He's still booking. And he did, he, he, he did like a Def Jam and got a nice radio yeah. job. He's a good Andrew, dude. Andre Covington. Andre Covington. Shout out this guy, another guy, you know, and he, you couldn't do the gig, and, and um, I guess he, he trusted me enough to headline it. And man, I went there, you know what? I drove there with my ex at the time. And man, I, I never forget that man. Like I had no money, and like you just threw me four hundred right there out of nowhere, Playboy. <laughs> when you live for the day, and, and I still gave you money when I came back. Oh, you came looking for me for something. It's so weird how you. Thank you, by the way, man. I love you for you. that, man. Guys, you. I was like, I had nothing. You could walk around and I could go fuck Lisa yet. If somebody calls me for a podcast job, I'm not going to give it to Lisa yet. Why wouldn't you do something like that? You take care of your friends, and guess what? Someday when you're fucking busted and nobody else believes in you, fucking Lisa is going to be a fucking CEO of a marketing podcast thing. Like, I got an idea for old fat fucking comics. <laughs> and I'm going to be, you know, at least I could squeeze a nickel out of it once a week or something like that. That's how life works itself out. I got very lucky. I did a movie called The Longest Yard. And I became friends with a lot of people from that movie. And I kept in touch with them. And I kept in touch with Nick Tatura. One day Nick Tatura calls me. And he goes, I'm looking for a Mexican dude. Really funny. They're telling me I need to talk to this guy and this guy and this guy. Can you get him for me? And I go, no, 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 no. I can get him for you. But I read the script. The guy you're looking for is Felipe Esparza. Who? Felipe Esparza. How come I don't know? I don't want to see somebody I don't know. Listen, it doesn't matter what you know and what you don't know. I'm telling you that I wouldn't send him to you if he wasn't the guy. So I said, this is the deal. I'm going to send him to you. You're going to let him read with you. If you don't like him, then we'll get you the other guys. But this is the guy. How do you know? Because I'm telling you, I fucking know. Listen, Felipe, you weren't outside the room. And he was calling me. He was so happy. That's the guy. How did you know? That's the guy. Joey, he reminds me of my brother. Yes. Joey, he reminds me of my fucking brother. That's the guy. That's the guy, Joey. He was so happy. And you know what? It was a movie role. Who the fuck is your movie role? The deported. People work all their lives, lives, ladies and gentlemen, to get a movie role. You don't know what it's like for somebody just to call you and go, hey, listen, go down there at 4 o'clock and talk to this guy. And they paid well. Yeah, paid. listen, we had a blast doing it. I it was, had to put a mustache on. We, well, I tried. They told me to grow a mustache. Oh, my God. You fucking shoved that. You fucking shaved it off. He told me to grow off. a mustache, and I shaved it off for a party or something. <laughs> and then <laughs> they had to glue a fake mustache on. It was just ridiculous. They couldn't find Paul Rodriguez to break into his house. They had to break into Paul Rodriguez's <laughs> house. <laughs> he was eating yum yum. fucking. He was eating something. They couldn't wake him up. They could not wake him up. This movie was a. I did like three or four days on, and and, the, and then we had to wait four hours for party to get there. So we just smoked weed. The biggest. It joke, was fucking the, raining all day. The director had the worst comb over. 
Oh my God. You ever saw in your life, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about something that you had to stare at for 30 seconds. And you, he was David Crockett. Come on. Oh my God. And you scratch your head, go in the mirror, and go, Lord, no matter what happens, I don't give a fuck if you make my head look like Vinnie Ward's. Don't do that to my fucking head, dude. Guys, he was working at him. Remember when Lisa Iatt wore the button and he couldn't fit his shirt? Lisa Iatt wore a shirt one time. And this button over here was broken. Doug, it was holding on for dear life. I mean, that's, <laughs> that thing was on the cliff of death. You could see him. It was just like that. Bing! It held together. It was a good, it was a good button. Do you know how many fucking people, Felipe, have called me and said, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And I've been like, I don't know why. What's up? My buddy has a role in the movie. It just dropped out. It pays 800 You play a gangster. Come on. What do I got to do? There's got to be a by the way. You're like, well, where's the shoot? Santa Monica, 4 o'clock tomorrow night. You'll be out there by 1130. He said, guaranteed. Yeah. <clears throat> they got a break for lunch. You have one scene. You know, shit like that. Lee, that fucking happens. Yes, man. Like That happens, ladies dude, and gentlemen. I never want you guys. No. Listen, nobody's going to come up to you when you're walking on the beach. And nobody. Go, hey, uh, we like your look. Well, no, 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 no. This is after you've been here for a while. Yes. And you meet Lee when Lee wants to be a comic as an open mic. But for some reason, you were nice to Lee. Lee made you giggle. He got you high. And one day, Lee gets a job as a writing assistant. And guess what? Lee still comes around to watch comedy. But then guess what happens? Lee gets promoted to a fucking writer's job. And guess what Lee's going to write about? Us. And the next thing you know, Lee's calling you going, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I got a day at work for you. It pays eight fifty. You're going to work all day. I wrote this role about you being a garbage man Hell that yeah. sings with his dick out. Fine. And that's how it was. It works for like years, that. Man, like. For years. After that movie with Joey Diaz hooked me up with, with, with John, Tut with, um, with um, Nick Tuturo, I gave everybody on the set my comedy CD that Gabriel did for me for the Ice House. I just gave everybody one. And I remember the, 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 the executive producer of that movie, the Filipino guy, um, Manny Redford. That was his name, Manny Redford. That was his name, Manny Redford. He loved the CD. He goes, Felipe, you want to make a movie out of this CD? And I said, what? I didn't believe him, right? I thought he was kidding. So I didn't call him for like, um, I didn't, I, I, didn't ignore, I ignored him for like six months. And then he said he was serious. So we had a meeting, bro, and he paid me like a lot of money, a lot of money at the time for me for anything. He goes, I'm going to get a director and he's going to rewrite rewrite your stand-up comedy into a script, and we're going to make a movie, and we're going to title it, I'm Not Like That No More. So, bro, this guy was not fucking kidding, man. He, he paid me like seven grand, top, seven grand. And I, and I and then that Hollywood works. I already had a, a, a one of those tarot, cherry tarp, what are they called? For that movie with Deported, that was like my first movie, so without SAG. So for the seven, with the seven thousand dollars, I had to use most of it to get into SAG just to do the movie, which I didn't care, you know. But I, I, because of you and hooking me up with that movie and being nice to everybody in the set, I got to do my own movie starring Felipe Esparza, and then I got Paul Rodriguez to play my father in the movie, and the whole movie is based on my stand-up comedy, 
Like if you ever heard of my comedy with the my gay brother, brother, the gay brother, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life raft, threesome. It's all in there, man. Threesome. Fucking tranny. It was amazing, bro. And that movie went nowhere. But I got to do a movie. Well, I got paid. They had no marketing money. Hell no, but we and we went the straight to nowhere. Budget was zero. That went straight zero. To, that One went day, to Amazon Prime. The dream is to have enough money to buy it and then release it, and then re-redo it, re-redo it. No, yeah, like just re-release it. Put Charles Bronson in it, the whole fucking cast. Those dirty bastards. How do you feel about Saturday's show? How's your set? What do you think about that set? I think about it. You know, I did it a year ago, right? And I was worried about the show. The jokes might be um dated, you know. But no, man, it's not dated. I try, I try to like make it fun. I try to write a joke, man. Like you know, like Bill Cosby and Richard Pryor. You know, Paul Rodriguez running Dangerfield. You know, a, a joke that you could just quote. Over and over for days, you know, that you never forget, man. Like, like when I hear like Fraser Smith, you know, Fraser Smith killed me. You know Fraser Smith, yeah, right? He killed. He's he like, goes. Gotta get him on the podcast. Yeah, bro. man. He goes. He had that one joke, man, about when 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 fucking uh, Jack Kevorkian was was still alive. He goes, yeah, uh, Jack Kevorkian just added a. Uh, uh, a waiting room in his doctor's office. Yeah, the nurse comes out and tells you, "Hey, the doctor will kill you right now. Come this way." <laughs> and then I, I think that joke killed you. That further missed it about um, yeah um, pa, um, just found out that doc the doctor said and the news were saying that spinach is really bad for people. So now is a good day to fucking beat the shit out of Popeye. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, buddy. No more Fraser Smith jokes on this show, right? Look. All right, man. No, no Fraser Smith. Justice and shit, poor Frank. Hey there, buddy. Good. I heard that th- these are going great for you, buddy. Listen, let me tell you something, man. When I saw your thing playing on HBO, my heart stopped, believe me. Thank you, I got to tell you something. I wanted you on the show. I called you, and I said, what night do you want to go on? Because I had to get you on to tell you how proud I am. I want the church people who listen to this show to understand. I know in the beginning we got a little druggy. Yeah, but man. that's to explain to you the debts, the journey, of where we were, and how strong the dream was. And guess what? This is all I wanted to be as a comedian, man. Dude, I don't we care. Didn't, we didn't know I party hard, was. but yeah. in the morning, I show up sleeping to your shows. I'll sleep in the green room, but hey, man, I'm going to do your show. I need to get paid. I need to go up, no matter One what. One of the most classic stories ever that we could tell on here was that, you know, Felipe went to Houston, had a phenomenal week. You know, when he went down there, he ran into the obstacles that I used to run into. It's everywhere. And the people are fucking sweethearts. And you're doing a couple bumps here. Next thing you know, you're in a bar here. Next thing you know, you're with that southern guy. And at 6 in the morning, he's taking you all over, doing bumps. Yeah, bumps. You're at the Mexican restaurant, he's having fucking beer out of a coffee cup. And one of the nights, Felipe, one of the legendary stories that Felipe got the hotel room, the tranny, the whole fucking deal, lights the curtain on fire, you know, just, just classic Felipe. Monday, he goes all fucking day, and Monday night, he shows up at this most famous open mic and unconsciously destroys the fucking room. <laughs> I killed, like, man. Like, just destroys the room that if there was Facebook, they would have rumbled all over the country yeah, man. type of destroy. I don't know what I said, but it was funny, man. Oh, you went off. I, I had 20,000 calls the next day. 
people were like, "Are you fucking?" Even Pete, who Pete, was mad at you. Yeah, he was mad. Yeah, lighting the hotel room on fire. Said that was one of the most amazing fucking things I ever saw. And what made it more amazing is that you had been up for fucking thirty something fucking thousand hours. I've been up since Friday, man. Jesus Christ. Friday at two in the morning, man. I've been partying like a soldier. We're here, Felipe. I'm happy to be alive, man. No, forget about being alive. Well, you know what was cool about that night on Monday? That comedian, man, the one that was touring with Cher, he was really cool with me that night. Like, he really, like, I one thing I remember was that um, he he was a married comedian, and he said that you can spend the night at my house if you need a place to stay. And then he stood with me, but I I was, like, too fucked up to ignore him, but he was real cool. It was, um, like, Tommy. Tommy, Tommy John. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it, it was um, Slade's friend, Tommy. Yeah, yeah, great he people. toured with Cher. Listen, bro, that was a great yeah. comedy scene. Tommy John. I'm very proud that I got to be go through that scene. At that time, I used to go to Boston, which it was the hardest market to get Oh, into. my God. And I wouldn't work the top club. <laughs> I remember we did K-Locos, and you, you left. I would work Grill 93 and, and go to Boston and then shoot down to the big one, Fanya Hall. And I would do all those rooms, you know. I was very fortunate, man. But I had, Jesus Christ, oh my, Milwaukee. I went all over this fucking country. But you had nothing holding you back. I had nothing holding me back. No. Man. I knew I couldn't see my kids. You know, they disappeared. No, I, I was in the same fucking list. I was like, I, I was like, I couldn't see my kids. You know, I know I had child support hanging behind me. You know, I was like, you had to do make or cash. die, bro. I got to make cash, cash, cash. I remember, man, like, this guy paid me a check. I said, listen, man, what time are you going to get up in the morning? Because we're going to go cash this shit when the bank opens. He goes, what do you mean? No, we're going to the bank. You're going to walk in with me, and we're going to cash this check because I ain't going to open no fucking account. I need the fucking cash. Remember that? Remember the Malashi tried to give you a check in Santa Maria? <laughs> I will shove you up the other brother's ass if I don't get a fucking oh, cash. I was pissed. I was pissed. They were, they're nice guys. I talk to Joe all the time on the phone. He's a fucking gentleman. I needed cash, bro. Like I, I no, we all lived off of cash. And I was working at Dodger when, Stadium when at give the time. Me a fucking check, oh man, my blood would boil in those days. <laughs> if I already called Julie and said, "Lee, I got a gig at eight. Worst case scenario, I'll be out there at ten thirty. I'll be by your house eleven fifteen. Make sure you're there with that fucking coke." If I already told you that, and I went down to Felipe's and he gave me a check, my blood would fucking boil. Because that would slow me down completely. That means I have to go to fucking Hollywood and Wilcox, park the car, walk all the way around, get a ticket, try to cast a check, get the ticket validated, go back. Are you fucking crazy? Eleven thirty, man. You're ready to snort that coke, and I'm parking, driving on Hollywood Boulevard on Wilcox, getting caught in fucking traffic on a Saturday night. My blood would boil. Me too, man. Up until 2010, if you booked me at a show, you had to be there at the hotel room, and you had to put your own fucking name, and you had to put your own credit card, because I had none of that shit. I had no debit card. I couldn't I couldn't put a deposit at no hotel. So every time I did a show, the promoter had to check me into the hotel because I had no credit card. I had no debit. Me neither. So... The hotel was always on the promoter's name. For years, I checked with the hotel with Joe Rogan, and he would put his card down for me. Me too, man. And he Fl- would go, if you're fucking charged, born on here, I'll kill you. 
And then he would go, I don't look at the account anyway, so don't worry about it. But I would never charge anything. But that's I was in the same boat as you, dog. I didn't have an ATM card for years. And if I did, it was always minus. It didn't matter. Then I got an ATM card and I kept it afloat. That always had like 3120 in it, 2850, you know what I'm saying? Like those numbers. Like I always had less than $40 and more than 20, you know what I'm saying? I had a check cashing card. From where? From, I don't know if it was Nick's or one of the major ones. And I used to cash my checks. Right no, there. I had one too. I got. I, still, I remember struggling. I'm man. still on file. At going to yeah. Hollywood. I would go to the one. Please. I would cash my check at the one right there in South Central. The one, the last one they have before the airport. And I'll try to get cash my check to just to have enough money to go to my next gig and um, eat. Oh my God. Well, actually, um, I would. I went one time. I had to cash my check at one of those check cashing places with Lisa, my wife. And as soon as I cashed my check, I just handed her the money right there, so she could go run and buy get a a, a fucking um, pay pay the rent, man. I was paying, I was giving her the check right before I was flying out to pay the rent. But luckily, we don't have to worry about that right now. Listen, man, you should be very proud of yourself. Very man, up, you know. And the other day, I was at the Dodge game with my daughter and a bunch of kids, and I thought about you, and I thought about. I saw the guys selling hot dogs and selling ice cream. And I thought about, you know, I showed you what seats I were in. They were all the way in the top with their $15 seats. And they were enjoyable, but you really can't see the fucking field when you're an old man like me. They look like, well, know. you can't even see the ball. And they got no fucking teleprompter there. No. They got no, if you can't see, you're fucked at Dodger Stadium, Jack. Yeah, you're looking down at the game. <clears throat> yeah, you're only looking at the fucking uh, teleprompter for an instant replay. Yeah. Beside that, there's no teleprompter. So I, I saw these guys delivering sodas and hot dogs and ice cream. And I said, fucking Felipe was doing this 30 years ago as a kid. I was selling souvenirs, bro. Super fucking souvenirs. Get your programs, penance, Dodger Koala. And I go, right now. After his special on HBO, he's going to be one of the biggest comics in the world. It started right here. Who knows? He knows where this is, was comedy first developed. It was like me going to prison. That's where you develop the toughness to talk and yell out into a crowd. and you know. But listen, man, I want the church family to... If you don't have HBO, how do you go to HBO to go? Anybody in the league? On your oh. phone, yeah, you can do it on any mobile device. You can do it on TVs. And they, they like, you can do it without a TV provider. It's like $20 for a mother. I think you can do like uh, even even a shorter period of time. And Austin, it, you know what? It's time you start watching the and Deuce. it's worth it. Anyway, so you the might Deuce well, is good. You and, might as well watch Felipe special. Sign, sign up and watch the Deuce. And you got fucking Bill Maher. And you got a bunch of other shit on HBO. That's fucking tremendous. Don't believe the hype, bro. HBO's still fucking good. I watch HBO a lot. I got that HBO package, the five fucking things. I watch HBO fucking a lot, a lot more than I watch anything else. I watch Silicon Valley, support my brother. Yeah, my wife watches Insecure. Come on, get it together. HBO's still fucking throwing heat, all right? Saturday night, 10 o'clock, check your local fucking listings. This is my brother I'm talking to you about. We talked about our history, so you motherfuckers know this is real. This is two guys who came up together addictions, uh, you know, we, we, we could be here till 2 in the morning just depressing you. I don't want you to think about getting depressed. I want you to think about 
your possibilities and we were in the hole we were in. Yeah, man, you could do whatever and, you want, man. I'm, listen, I'm not where he's at. This is HBO. This is gold. But this guy here, this guy's the guy you should be watching. Do me that favor. Felipe Esparza, number two. Do not forget, Pittsburgh Improv, Saturday, late night, is sold out already. You got four shows. Don't fuck around. Don't call me going, Joey, there's no time to about I told you fucking Wednesday on the podcast, and I told you fucking Monday with Jim Norton. Don't fuck with me, all right? Listen, uh, number two, for all your supplements, the holidays are coming, the new year, you're going to make resolutions, whatnot, bada-bing, bada-boom, bada-boom. I don't want to hear it. You're having problems lately. You're getting a little older. You think alpha brain. Give it a shot. If you don't like it, you re- you don't even have to return it. They'll give you 100% money back guarantee. You like the alpha brain. You're thinking about lifting. Boom. Hemp horse protein. Beautiful. Digesting. Easy. Nice. The best chocolate you've ever tasted. Two scoops with water. A couple ice cubes. You're fucking brand new. Maybe a banana or something like that to carb up. You don't have no fucking idea how you're living. You understand me? The strong bone, the fucking shroom tech sport, and the shroom tech immune if you're a fucking traveler or something. Hey, I travel, Jack. You know, you don't hear me coming in here all fucked up every fucking week. That's because I take care of myself, and I fucking take the shroom tech uh, immune. So just in case I got fucking weird people around me, I don't catch the Maluk they got. You understand me? Who knows where they've been? Sukalamink somewhere or doing dirty shit. My point is go to honor.com right now. Go to honor right now. Take a look at the great supplements they have. From the fucking uh, turkey meat beef sticks. It's on. It's on. Go to honor. Take a look at what they got. If you like something, go to the box and press in. Church. Boom. C-H-U-R-C-H. Get 10% off delivered to your motherfucking house, okay? And don't forget it's football season. Go to my bookie AG. They'll match whatever the fuck you throw in there, okay? Who's better than them? What's the code for them? I believe it's church. That, boom, there you go. And that's how we're rolling, and we love you motherfuckers. Have a great fucking weekend, and we'll talk to you motherfuckers next Monday. Do not forget my brother, Felipe Esparza, HB fucking O, Saturday. <clears throat> I need for you people to fucking join on Friday. Yeah, man. And then do what fucking <clears throat> black people do with a suit after a wedding. They bring it back on Monday and say it didn't fit. Say you don't like it. I don't know. No, be a decent American. Join HBO. Get some for the holidays. What do you got? I got my dates for October. Can I mention them? Absolutely. Bro. I'm going to be at Zany's in Nashville. Oh, shit. Next week. Club. They got weed over there? Hey, I got weed everywhere, bro. All right. Uh, and then the following, the same week, I'm also doing Huntsville, Alabama. That's a good one. So you're and doing then, Zanies on Wednesday and uh, Huntsville Thursday, Friday, yes. Saturday. Yeah, beautiful. So if everything goes right, I'm going to be at the Edmonton, Alberta, Canada the following week at the, I think it's called the Punchline in Edmonton. Beautiful. In Canada. Check you me Canadian out, Canadian motherfuckers, go check, check it out. I'm love. bringing Rodrigo Torres, so oh, watch shit, out. Silent we might do a brother. Canadian podcast over there. And I'm doing the Humphreys by the Bay in San Diego, California. This is all in October. And the following day, I'm doing Reno, the Silver Legacy Casino. Get all the information on felipesworld.com. Also, I'd like to mention that I'm going to release my album, the comedy special, on a vinyl. You know, I think, you know, the, the fans is on vinyl. Yeah, it'll be on vinyl. Beautiful. Okay. It'll be released on November, November 30. It'll be a double album. Double double record album because it's under one hour, so we gotta split it up in fifteen minutes each side. 
So it's gonna be a collector's item, you know. It also come with a little um, one of the little things where you get the the comedy item. What they call a little chip or whatever. Oh, a USB. A USB. Yeah, so it'll be a collector's item album, November thirty, and then um, right after the following day after the special airs, it'll be on everywhere. HBO, HBO Go, HBO Latino, and maybe you could order it on Amazon. I don't know. There you go, cocksuckers. All in one fucking thing, all right? I'll see you motherfuckers in Pittsburgh next week. Stay Thank quiet. you very much for having a podcast. Always, Thank you, um, Church of What Happening listener, for supporting me, even when I'm not on a podcast, and asking me, when are you going to be on a podcast? That's right. So I'm, I'm, I'm always on, and um, also um, anybody who's out there from um, the Church, Church of the What Happening family and, um, and the other one. You're the one that Red Band has, his people. They got my back too, man. You got it, brother. I'll yeah, man. Know. Death Squad, Death Squad, Nashville, Death Squad, Montreal. You know what's up, my brother? Stay black, cocksuckers. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Hit it, Lee. Thank you very much. A little Hector Laveau off. Where's the restroom, man? Whatever the fuck it is. This is a tremendous song. Kaleo, another fucking jam. I'm going to turn you Oh, Hector Laveau? That's it for that. Africa. En el que me encuentro yo Decía Ramón Puntilla Cuando a su mamá llamó Tengo un pollo sabrosito Con el que quiero casarme Pero acaban de informarme Que no, que no me puedo casar Porque es novia de mi amigo Y eso sí, da que pensar Odio a todos los que aman Y que me quiera bien Dios mío, ayúdame Quiero olvidar Ayúdame 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 a olvidarla, te lo pido Ayúdame Quiero perder Yeah, I love
¡Qué problema!